Open up your Bibles now to the Gospel of Luke. Okay, we've got a little bit of time left. We've got 20 minutes left. Study God's Word. I could probably get 25 minutes out of this. I might even be able to get 30 minutes out of this. We try hard. I know I just prayed, but I'm going to pray again. And then I'm just going to read. And I'm going to read and preach, and we're going to ask God to minister to our hearts. Father, in Jesus' name now, we're going to read your word, and we're going to approach it like the children of Israel would have gone out early in the morning to gather manna, that sustenance that you deemed perfect for them, that would sustain them during their journey, that would sustain them during really their wandering, that would sustain them during their purification. You had said, this is what will help you. And then Jesus, you came along and said that man shall not live by bread alone, but instead by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so, Lord, we are going to look to your word, and I pray for a great countenance to grow within us, that we would be magnanimous people today, that our spirits would be fed, that, Lord, we would be grounded and humbled. Lord, to be completely honest with you, there's nothing in and of ourselves that we can do for ourselves. We just can't. We're helpless. It's pictured in the birth of a baby. They're helpless. And so, too, Lord, we, in our birth, we're helpless, but you, Lord, are powerful. And you ask us to submit to you. And so for the one here today who feels helpless and unable to move, may they rejoice that they have a father that loves them in their new birth. And may we, Lord, even who maybe feel like we're helpful, able to do much, may we look at your word and say, this is crazy that God would do what God does when God does it the way God does it. And that we would submit to your sovereignty and we'd worship you, Lord, in your plan. As we study the gospel of Luke, Lord, that is the advent of Christ, the announcement, Lord, of the forerunner, John the baptizer. All things coming to fruition that were promised in the book of Malachi. Lord, we just worship you as one. I pray that we would be faith-filled believers because we've heard your word even this day. We humble ourselves before you. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Beginning in verse 5 of Luke chapter 1, so you get the context. It says, there were in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. Remember, there were 22,000 priests. So you might think, oh, a priest, legit. Mm, white noise, okay? Background music. Lots of people did this. They served. 22,000 priests. His name, though, Zacharias, he makes the book because in his faithfulness and in his life, even though he wasn't esteemed high by anyone else, God said, I can use you. I can use you for something great. I got one job for you, Zacharias. Make a baby. Make a baby. John the baptizer. I got one job. Isn't that cool? God can just use you so hugely just by one act of obedience. Make a baby. Well, let's keep going. I could talk more on that, but I'm not going to. And he was of the division of Abijah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Ah, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all of the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were well advanced in years. They weren't able to make a baby and they were both old now and yet they had stayed the course. Life hadn't gone the way they had planned and nor has it for you. And they chose to, even in their disappointment, not to commit sin and divorce one another, which was in that custom accepted through infertility. You can just get a new spouse, Zacharias. And he said, no, it doesn't ring true in my heart. 
I'm going to stick it out. They could have also decided to go worship the god of fertility. He was available then, okay? False god, fake. But they could have said, you know what, God? We, we did our part, and you dropped the ball. We're going to go serve another god. They could have become rebellious. And oftentimes when you and I get disappointed through stuff, we find ourselves justifying rebellion. Don't do that. These guys are example. Well, they were both righteous. They were both old, but they were also barren. Verse 8. So it was, the story goes, that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense where he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside of the hour of incense. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense when did this angelic being appear to zacharias well we've already gone through this we know what's happening in a time of turmoil a, a time of great tragedy herod was the king it was horrible timing the thing it was not cool the temple had been built but almost illicitly it was solomon's temple rebuilt by herod and the whole thing was a, a temple of thieves and a den of sellers of goods and yet yet in the midst of chaos and corruption which you can look all around our culture, even within church. You just, anyway, chaos and corruption everywhere. And yet there was a couple faithful. There was a couple who said, you know what, let's just not get strayed and swayed. Let's stay faithful. And they showed up and they prayed. And at the hour of prayer, then verse 11, an angel shows up. Now, I have heard people, and I have said myself, that I haven't heard from the Lord in a long time. God just doesn't seem to talk to me. I don't have this connection. Maybe somebody will share their story. You're like, well, I don't, God doesn't talk to me the way he does to you. And my quick reaction and my quick question to myself and others is, God doesn't talk to you? When was the last time you talked to him? Just curious. Like, what are you talking about? I talked to him all day long. Really? That's what you call that? And in reality, to, 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 you, you just nailed this down for you, to talk with the Lord, to truly have a conversation with him, to carve out that time. Here they traveled hundreds of miles to get to Jerusalem. Here they set aside a consecrated time and went in with other people praying, and they seriously, legitimately sought after the Lord, and an angel shows up. How does this happen? The Bible says if you seek him, you'll find him. Okay, bottom line. If you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. That's what it, but there's so many people who say, well, I, I did that. When? Well, yes, ask you if you have, you know. Are you, have you done it recently? Have you carved that time? Maybe in 2017, you just need to carve that time. So, you know, enough's enough. Enough's enough. No more good wishes and good intentions. I'm going to do it later. I'll do it when I have time. When was the last time you had time? Okay? Some of you are like, I have time all the time. I'm not asking you. I'm asking other people. <laughs> I don't have time. There's no time. You have to make time. Okay? It's not just going to happen on accident. You have to do it on purpose. Well, anyways, at this time, the time they set aside to talk to God, God talked back. He sent an angel. Verse 12, and when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. His pacemaker started working and keeping him alive, his old man. Oh, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, what did he pray for? It doesn't say what he prayed for. The angel said, we just heard your prayer, and you're having a baby. Something tells me that he prayed for a baby, okay? At least before, for sure. Maybe right then, which is a crazy thing to pray for if you're like olden, okay? If you're a geese, you're like, just give me a baby, bouncing baby boy, or maybe just like an older nephew or something, you know? What's he praying for? <laughs> Here's the cool thing, though. 
It doesn't say what he prayed for, but we can imagine that he also prayed for, listen, track with me here, that he also prayed for, because the angel says it's going to be answered, that he also prayed for God, maybe this was his first and primary prayer as a priest that day in that position, Lord, would you send a revival to Israel? Would you send a deliverer? Lord, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to call you on your promises. You said the last time you talked to us in the book of Malachi, you promised us, Lord, that you would send somebody to prepare the way for the Lord to come, that would reunite fathers to their children and children to their fathers, that would make the way straight. You said he would come in the power of Elijah. We're waiting, Lord. It's my turn to pray. I've never got a chance to pray. Lord, would you please send this deliverer? Hey, give me a baby. Amen. <laughs> and he snuck it in. You know, he snuck it in there at the end, like, you know. He'd seen the movie Storks. He, knew, he knows where babies come from. He can figure this out. And, all, and he was, amen. And he opens up his eyes. And those two prayers are answered in one. Zechariah, what's up? It's me, Gabriel, the speaking angel, the only one of two angels mentioned by name in the Bible of thousands of angels. There's only two that speak. You get the speaking one. This is a good day. And he gives them this message. Oh, you're going to have a baby. And then he goes on. I'll read. He goes on to prophesy. What Malachi said would be the next very installment of God's prophetic plan. There had been 400 years of silence, a 400-year shut door. That's pretty disappointing. Okay, you think you've had a shut door or two? I don't disagree, but that's pretty disconcerting. And yet God, God doesn't ever miss a beat. Okay, God doesn't ever stress. God doesn't ever sweat. God doesn't ever wonder what to do next. As a matter of fact, even right now today, and exemplified, Throughout all of history, God's calendar is perfect. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that your days when you breathed your first were numbered. Numbered. Like there is an actual day, whether it's 1,500, whether it's 25,000, whether it's 35,322, whatever it is, there is the day. And God's not going to be surprised. Heaven's not going to be alarmed. And you're, you're not going to miss that appointment. Okay? The Bible actually said it has been appointed unto man wants to die you got an appointment i don't know about you but maybe you're late to appointments or have missed a few you're not going to miss that one it's all there it's all good that's good news oh man i was kind of worried that i was going to go young or i was going to go older i was going to go that's not your problem okay your problem is what you do with the middle part how you live your life and how even when you exit and your exodus happens how your legacy continues to impact people Okay, death is not the end. You guys realize that, right? Death is definitely not the end. Our lives matter. Even lives that are taken too short, and I would, I know some. There's some, but their legacies, their impact, the purpose to your pulse continues beyond the palpitations of your heart. God's calendar, man. Well, be that as it may, Zacharias was afraid. The angel says to him, your prayer is heard, verse 13, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, which means God is gracious. You think God just picked his name out of a hat? What should we call him? Elijah, no, it's been taken. Uh, Elijah, no, get more creative. Uh, how about John? <laughs> John? God is gracious. What are we trying to display here through this situation, God's grace? He goes on to say, this angel now speaking to Zach. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. Man, they're going to be so excited. And you've been to birthdays. And you've been to those parties before the baby comes out. What are they called? Baby parties? What are they called? 
Showers, showers. Yeah, we're supposed to take those all the time, not just when babies are born. Just putting it out there. Anyways, anyways. We celebrate, though, man, a conception. Yeah! Joy. Listen to where, why, though. I want you to catch this. The, the angel says your son's going to be great. Look at verse 15. For he, why is there going to be joy? You're going to have a baby. And he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He's going to be fully dedicated and abstain from those freedoms that we have in Christ. And that's a good rule for most of us to have those freedoms given yet also given back. He abstains from strong drinking wine. It goes on to say that he will be filled, verse 15, with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. We talked about this two weeks ago. This man will say no to the things of the world and yes to the things of God. Just put it in a bundle right there. It's what the Bible teaches in the book of Ephesians as well. He says he's going to be great. Look at verse 16. I want you to see why. Okay, by the way, his greatness is not because he's abstinent from alcohol. Okay, that's a detail of his life, not a distinction. I just need you to see that. That's not what makes him great, not his his legalism or his commitment. I want you to catch this in verse 16. What makes him great? And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in, in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared from for the Lord. And this angel prophesies where Malachi left off, picks up the pencil right where Malachi set it down and says, God hasn't missed anything. God's not done with you. God's not slow. God's not slack. God's not misinformed. God's not unable. God knows what he's doing right now. And the same is true for your life. But I want you to know and see why the angel said he's going to be great. Primarily because he's going to turn the hearts of men and women to God. Did you know that our culture today, our current culture, has a definition of greatness that it's all messed up? I mean, all messed up. Top 10, top 20, top this, most influential, most handsome, most beautiful, all these things that make you great, most, most influential, most successful. You can read Forbes, the top most influential 500 you know, magazine, all these things that the world says. Just, man, careful. God says, oh, dude, 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 dude. You're going to have a boy. You're going to be so fired up, and he's going to be great. Oh, really? What's he going to do? You ready? He's going to turn the hearts of men and women upwards. Okay? That's the greatness. Did you know that Daniel said in his book, Daniel chapter 12, right around verse 13, maybe 14, says that those who turn many towards righteousness, they're wise, and they'll shine like the stars in heaven forever. That their greatness, Proverbs chapter 13, I've got it written down here, actually, Proverbs tells us, uh, chapter 11, that he who wins souls is wise. The men, the women, the people who decide to live their lives with that one purpose that Nancy and Marty shared with us, to bloom, to be all in, to live for Christ, to live for others, to do that. Those are the great ones. I don't know about you, you should want to be great in 2017, just so you know, Okay. When Jesus' disciples wanted to be great, Jesus didn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. He's like, what are you guys arguing about? They're like, uh, nothing. You heard us? He's like, I'm God. Stop it. <laughs> we were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. He's like, cool. You want to be the greatest? That's awesome. The greatest in heaven is the least of these and the servant of all. Being great is not a bad thing, okay, in God's eyes. Being great where you come and hope and die and live for and sacrifice and serve for people's lives and their relationships upward. I remember when I was eight years old, 1986, Bend, Oregon, sitting in a church service, hearing the preacher preach the gospel out of the gospel of John. And I remember when I heard him 
the Lord put it on my heart. And so what he's doing, what he is sharing is the most important thing that anybody could ever share in the entire world. And I agreed. I agreed with that heavy thought that God gave to my spirit. And the Lord spoke to me right then and there and said, and you'll do the same. And right then I became an unbeliever. I said, no, 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 you know. I really did. I did. And for 12 years, I said no to God. I said, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. And I rejected the call of God on my life and 12 years of destruction and chaos. And when I finally repented and said, okay, God, your words, your truth, your kingdom is the greatest thing that any man or woman could live for. I repent and I submit. Would you take my life? In 12 seconds, 12 seconds after running for 12 years, 12 seconds, somebody laid a hand on my shoulder and said, would you like to be our assistant high school youth pastor and get into the ministry here? We need somebody to help out here. And the Lord is looking for men and women that he can say, I want to make you great. I want to make you great. How can I be great? Do your best in 2017 to be available to God to help others know him better. Just, just make it your desire. That was our desire at the end of worship. Lord, I just desire to be all in, all surrendered. Use my time, use my talents, use my treasure for the one thing that will last because you've heard it said before that soon this life will pass and only things done for Christ will last. And this word, this declaration is given to Zacharias and he hears it and he is supposed to believe it. Okay, let's just keep reading. Let's see what happens next. Look at verse 18. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Oh, Zach, you were having such a good day. I mean, he was having such a good day. He goes to the temple twice per year and serves as a priest his whole life. And twice per year, he serves as a priest his whole life. And twice per year, he rolls the dice and draws the lot, and he loses his whole life. His whole life. His whole life, he prayed for a baby and prayed for deliverance. His whole life, never got any of that. And his whole life, and then one day, in his olden, well-advanced-in-years days, he wins the drawing. It's his turn. One and only time. He'll never get a draw again. This is his big celebration, the Hail Mary Pass in the Super Bowl. This is his Tom Brady moment. This is his, did I just say Tom Brady? This is his moment, and he goes in. And he prays the prayer, Lord, send a deliverer, Lord, give me a baby if that's all good, you know, thank you, Lord, amen. Ah! And an angel shows up. The incense is gone up, the presence of the Lord is there, an angel, all of this is going really well, and this angel then prophesies right into his life, reads his mail, said, I heard your prayers, bro, and guess what the answer is? Yes, it's going to happen. And then goes in to fill the blanks in what his son's going to be like, and he begins to then do what we, we do, what you do. He takes God's declaration, which is very clear, okay, it's very clear, and then he compares it to his situation, okay? He takes the declaration and he compares it to the situation and finds himself then questioning God's word. Now, we laugh at him, don't we? Like, Zach, what are you thinking, bro? What were you doing? And yet you and I do the exact same thing. God says, I will supply all of your needs according to my grace and riches. And we're like, well, I don't know if you really, really? God says, your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And how many of you guys have heard that? Your sins are hidden in the sea of forgetfulness, and God is not against you, but he is instead for you. And then when you stumble and bumble, don't raise your hands, but you wonder, I wonder if I'm still forgiven. It's like, based on what? Based on what do you stumble in your faith, in your forgetfulness? Matter of fact, 2 Timothy tells us this, that when we forget and are faithless, he does not forget and he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. God looks at you and me and his relationship with us and says, here's the deal, guys. Let's do this together. Let's co-op. We'll be co-owners of this whole salvation thing. 
but I'm going to go ahead and control everything if that's all right with you, okay? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to co-sign, I'm going to undersign, I'm going to oversign, I'm going to sign, okay? You guys just get to be a part of it and act like it's kind of you and me, but really it's all me. And yet we're so prideful and so obstinate at times that we, like Zacharias, in moments where God's word is so clear, just say, real, can you, just, can you prove it to me? Don't raise your hands. But has anybody ever asked for that shooting star, you know, just for God to, like, show his goodness? Or just show me you're thinking of me right now, but give me a shooting star. And the Lord up in heaven's like, angels, did you just hear that? How many stars did we make? Did we make? They're like, oh, there's, there's too many to count, God, sorry, you know. Okay, and they're asking for one? Don't give them one. Don't do it. Because he's already given you so many. He's given you so much. And yet we mock this guy. We laugh, I laugh at him. I'm thinking, Zechariah, what are you doing in the temple, the angel? And the angel, whoa, the angel. Look at verse 19. Now, here's what he said. Zechariah is like, I'm old. Angel's response, verse 19, I'm Gabriel. He's like, oh. So that's, is that better? Are you better then? You're bigger? I'm, uh, I, I want to see this. Replay on YouTube in heaven when we get there. And the angel, verse 19, said to him, I am Gabriel. Oh, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Stop right there. Some really important principles come out right here. Number one, if you do not believe... God's clear declaration, you will not share God's clear declaration. You will be mute in your faith. If you have a hard time believing, if you, you've received it for yourself, but it's not that big, and you kind of doubt and wonder, and you, you're not that concrete, guess what? In your lifestyle, you won't be inviting people to church. You won't be engaging with people in conversation on Facebook or in person. You won't be out witnessing, evangelizing. You won't be sowing into ministries that are changing lives. You won't be active. You'll be passive. So ask yourself, am I active or am I passive? Here, the angel says, you don't believe? Hey, man, you're not going to talk. Mute. The thief of unbelief. When you and I don't believe, we don't share. As a matter of fact, just test yourself this next year. Find yourself when you don't want to say, God bless you, when you don't want to pray at a restaurant, when you don't want to be evangelistic or even mildly defensive or confrontational when somebody asks you about your faith and you defend it. When you don't want to do those things, it's because you have walked and drifted into a position of semi-somewhat unbelief somewhere. It might not be for the things of God eternally, but maybe the things of God temporally. Maybe, as a matter of fact, you walk in in your bad days, you're down and out and countenance. I just don't want to love my wife, and I don't want to be nice, and I don't want to share and walk in faith, hope, and love. I don't want to do any of that. Why? Because life's hard right now, and it's difficult, and I don't trust the Lord. You would never say that, because you're super spiritual. You would never articulate it that way, but in reality, you don't trust the Lord. You don't approve of his plans. You're not willing to let him be God. The exact opposite is when you hear and believe you then speak. Paul said that of himself. He actually said, I believed, therefore I spoke. I, I, I believe what God's shown me. And did you guys love the Apostle Paul? I hope you do. The Apostle Paul's crazy. He wouldn't stop speaking because he'd believed so vehemently, so deeply. I want to be like that. If you're, if, you're, if you're unable to walk in faith and in vibrance and in fruit, it's because there's a thief of unbelief lurking somewhere deep within. You've decided not to believe. We see that right here. Here's the other second thing you need to note. 
The angel tells Zacharias, you want to know something else, Zacharias? You're going to be mute, and these things will happen. With or without your participation and cooperation, God's will is going to be done, and it's going to be legit. Okay? God is going to do crazy things. He's coming back soon. He's going to establish himself a bride before he returns. And when he returns, he's going to establish himself a kingdom. He's doing all of these things with or without your cooperation or permission. And he, that's both awful and awesome. Here's the awful part. Because if you walk in unbelief and in stuff and in smallness and whatever, if you walk in that, God's going to keep being God and do what he's going to do. And you're going to miss out. You're going to be mute. You're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to participate in the purposes of God. That's awful. It's awesome, though, because you can leave here tonight saying, no matter what, God's going to do this. This angel looks at Zach and says, really? Really? Guess what? It's going to happen, and you're going to be dumb. That's what it says in the literal Greek. Mute. You're not going to speak. You're acting dumb. You're going to be dumb, okay? That's what you get. Now, let's just keep reading this. We've got to finish it up here. Look at verse 21. It says, And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered in the temple so long. But when he came out and he could not speak to them, they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. Look at verse 23. So it was as, the day, as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. Stop right there, eyes up here. I need you to see three things, maybe four. Just quickly listen. Zacharias encounters the Lord. He doesn't handle it perfectly. He's muted immediately. Yet even in that response, what does he do? He stays in and finishes his job. He has this conversation, and the people outside wonder about him. The people outside wonder, what is this cat doing in there? Man, the food is ready. Would this guy just say amen and get out? This guy's on his holy spiritual moment. Listen, if you've ever become on fire for the Lord, if you've ever had an encounter with him, the Bible says that the people who used to be your friends think you're strange now. Okay, They think you're totally weird. All you do on Facebook is post about Jesus, and all you want to do is go to church, and all you want to do is study the Bible. What's wrong with you, man? Peter says they're going to think you're a weirdo, that you don't do the things you used to do. Can I just encourage you? If God is drawing you deeper into a relationship with him, people are going to wonder. They're going to, why are you lingering? Hey, let them wonder. Okay, you finish your business with God. You go hard. Don't let other people drag you down to their levels. Instead, you stay the course like Zacharias did when he stayed in the temple, as awkward as it was. Second thing we see Zacharias do now that he's walking with God, even though he's made a mistake right at the onset, is that he was faithful in his job. He didn't just quit. He stayed there, mute, and continued to serve in the temple. Can I just say this? More men and women who get fired up for Jesus Christ and commit their lives to him, if more men and women would be faithful in the workplace, God, I believe, would have a greater platform to glorify himself in our communities. That if men and women, especially you young people, that if you would commit to saying, you know what, I'm a Christian. Therefore, I'm going to serve my boss. I'm going to serve this organization like it's Christ's. I'm going to do it for Jesus' sake. I'm going to be faithful. There is so much faithlessness. It's actually not that hard to shine bright in today's culture in your work ethics, okay? Just show up early, stay late, say yes to everything to your boss. You know, just work hard and you will glorify Christ no matter where you work. I've got some stories. I can't tell them. I don't have time. The third thing I want you to see here, look at verse... 24. It says, now after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Zacharias is now connected with God in a new way. You've made some mistakes. Join the club. We're all there. God is still going to be sovereign over his life and through his mistakes. I'm so thankful of that. Oh, if God wasn't going to be sovereign in South Beach Church in 2017, I'd quit. 
Lord, I, need, I, I love submitting to God and saying, just take over. Lord, you just be sovereign over all our decisions, all of our plans, all of our wishes, everything we think's right, you be sovereign, okay? You just kind of override everything. We love you more than we love ourselves, for sure. God's going to do that. But then God also asks us to walk differently like Zacharias walked, to stay faithful like Zacharias was faithful, and then also to co-op with God's plan. Did you know that when Zacharias and Elizabeth went home, they conceived a baby? Did you guys read that in small print there? Okay. They're olden geezers, okay? Just fill in the blanks. They decided to co-op with God's promises to provide a baby. Now, they could have, like Mary in the next story. Mary, who conceived miraculously. It's called the immaculate conception. That is, there's no man involved. <laughs> a baby? Oh, it's a baby inside. How did this happen? Immaculate. This is an immaculate conception. This is miraculous conception. Where God says, I'm going to do it, but I need your help to make it happen. And God looks at you and looks at me and says, I'm going to do some crazy stuff in 2017. I'm going to do mighty stuff. I want to do fun stuff in your life, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your job, in your church, in your town. I want to do crazy stuff, but you know what? You've got a part to play. You're going to be a part of it. I want you to help me conceive these miracles. I want you to help me walk in the things of God. And I just would have the Lord fill in the blanks for you as we study this out, as we continue to move forward. I'm going to have the worship team come up. They're going to lead us in a song. And we're going to take communion, the first communion of the year. And we take communion every Sunday here because we believe it keeps us focused on Jesus, the reason for everything. And so it's more important probably today than ever before moving forward. So would you bow your heads? close your eyes with me father in jesus name now we are just so stoked on you we are so submitted to you you have been faithful in the past you will be faithful in the future and we want to be lord a participant of your faithfulness we want to show up we want to observe and we want to conceive lord with you the miracles that you have planned your declarations are so exhaustive and so good. You said, Lord, that there is no thing formed against us that shall prosper. You said, Lord, that instead you formed us in our mother's belly and predetermined good works for us to walk in. Every man here, every woman here, Lord, has a plan for their life because of your love and your power. And so in Jesus' name, Lord, we submit to you and ask your mercy, Lord, upon us as we seek you in this next year. And if there's anybody here today that would say, you know what, I just, I need the Lord to touch me and, and I, I want to I wanna commit myself to the Lord and I don't have a lot to commit, but I'm going to commit what I do have to the Lord. And I just need a change. I need something. I need more, more God, more of him and more me involved in him. Would you just raise your hand right now? I want to give you a touch point this morning to respond. Just raise your hand. If you're sick of the old you and you want to let go of it like Paul and you want to strive for it, just raise your hand. Humble yourself right now. You only get one life. You only get one. It's a gift. Be all in and live your life for Christ. Raise your hand, young people. Raise your hand. Soften your heart right now. When you raise your hand, you're sticking your finger in the devil's eye. Okay, Just stick it in his eye. Say, no, I'm not doing it my way anymore. And just repent and let the Lord use you. Father, in Jesus' name now, we come to the table celebrating our salvation through your sanctification your sacrifice on the cross lord we love you thank you for setting yourself aside abstaining from all things sinful in order that you might pay for our mistakes lord we love you and worship you and we ask that you would bless this time as we celebrate in your name in jesus name we pray amen